You are listening to the podcast series for Mission to Amish People. Mission to Amish People is a Christian ministry with a threefold purpose of evangelizing and discipling Amish and former Amish, helping Amish people who leave their communities by helping them transition into the English world, and by presenting the ministry to churches nationwide. You can find out more about Mission to Amish People by going to their website at www.mapministry.org. Today's podcast is part one of two, entitled Breaking the Silence by Joseph and Stacy Graber. Holy from Colorado. So just so nothing gets started, I typically go by Joseph, so um, thank you for introducing me, Abe, but I usually go by Joseph, so. <laughs> well, my mother always told me if I wanted you to be named Joe, I would have named you Joe, and so out of respect for my mother, I go with Joseph. All right, well, I wanted to um, share with you several things, and uh, first of all, who we are. And so I'm going to start with introducing myself, and then Stacy's going to share a little bit. Um, you can stand or sit for just a moment. Yeah, so we're making, we're making a film called Breaking the Silence. And at the end, I will explain why we chose the name, because it's one of the questions I always get is, so just what are you breaking the silence about? And I get that from a lot of former Amish people. And so I'm here to explain all of that stuff. But so first of all, I want to introduce myself as a husband. And Joseph met Stacy about five, well, a little less than five years ago. And in April, it'll be four years since we were married. And so first of all, I'm a husband. And as a husband, there are a few things that I am concerned about. I want to be, before God, I want to be responsible for the things he has given me. And one of the things he's given me is a lovely wife. And so I want to be able to lead her spiritually the way he has told us to in Scripture. And so, first of all, I'm motivated as a Christian husband, as, a, as a, a man who desires to walk with the Lord and to be right and honest before God. And so part of, if you want to understand part of my heart, you have to understand this part. I really love my wife. She is a, an absolute blessing to me. I think marriage is one of the most awesome things that God ever put together. And if you look around you today in America, it's also one of the things that is struggling the most. We have an enemy who wants to kill, steal, and destroy. And he often starts right here with this relationship. And so second to getting saved and and the Lord using me in ministry, that was exhilarating. And I thought it was like a pinnacle of my life. But when I got married, I found out that just by being married and loving God, and the awesome part of it is when you're married, you can love your wife, and it kind of counts loving God's time because he's, he's, he's on the other side of her, and when I try to get to him and not have a good relationship with her, he says, but wait a minute, I put her in your life. If you don't love your brother, in this case your wife, how can you love God? And so it's been an absolutely awesome privilege of mine to finally walk in this, in, in, in marriage. And so that's part of who I am. So you have to understand that, that first of all, I am a husband. And then I am a father. And this is another huge blessing in my life. And with, now we have Peter Marshall. He's our oldest son. And then we have Eric Little. And so we have these two children. And as a, as a Christian father, I want to raise them up in the fear and admonition of the Lord. And so because I care for my children, I now care about what happens to the church, not just in my community, not just in America, but in all the world. I care for the body of Christ. I care what happens politically. I care what happens in every sphere of life. 
Now, I am not specifically called to many of these areas, but I care what happens. And I want the truth of the gospel to go into all those areas because my children live in a world that is influenced by all these other things. And because I am a father, I care about these things because I love my children dearly. Then I'm a pastor. I'm a pastor of a of Living Water Fellowship out in Golden, Colorado. They've been praying for weeks. They've been coming here. Um, a couple nights ago, I spent, we spent the evening and the night and most of a day with my uh, still Amish grandmother living up in Shipshewan, Indiana. And so the church back home has been praying for us. And they understand the importance of each one of us reaching out to our families and our circles wherever we live. And so as a pastor, now I'm concerned with every family that you are functioning. And, and it starts on an individual level because God called each one of you to something specific and he has called you to walk not just in partial a little bit of liberty here and there and a whole lot of bondage everywhere else but with the gospel of Jesus Christ with the power of God there is something for complete victory in every area of life and so when I walk through you know when I walk through the, the when we were in uh, Peru a couple years ago we went down to we went uh, we were filming for a project and we went to Machu Picchu trying to get the sunrise and stuff there and as we got there there were people all dressed in white and they were sitting down in long rows and they were meditating and their faces turned toward the sun it was just one of those clearest pictures of idol worship that I had ever seen in my life and as I was there I had some concern for them because they were completely pagan and choosing to be so but I'll tell you something that breaks my heart more than that is when I go to the Bible Belt and I go where there's more churches than people and there's just like I mean and, and I mean this literally like there was one town in Texas where I went and I counted all the churches in town I looked at the city population and there was a there was if everybody went to church on a Sunday morning there'd be 10 people church <clears throat> and it's hard to have all the gifts of the body in 10 people we need more there, there is a there is a real problem when we have more institutions than we have actual bodies of living uh, Jesus Christ actually work and so I'm burdened when I walk in the Bible Belt and I find people who are not living in victory. And I, and I see it in, as a pastor. I see this financially. I see this in, in marriages that aren't working. I see it in, in relationships that are hurting and struggling. And it's people who say, oh, yes, I was saved. If you ask them, are you a Christian? They're, oh, yes, I was saved. You know, it was December 24th, 19-whatever. And they give you the date, the time, the hour, and they say, I- I'm a Christian. But when you look at their life, they're not walking. In, they're not experiencing the fullness of God. And Stacy and I were talking the other day, and we, we, we were like, you know something? It seems to me that there are many Christians who, when we talk about having a conscience before God and not having any, anything clouding our relationship with God, there are many Christians who have never experienced that because there's always been someone that they have forgiven. There's always been someone that they have held on to some hurt and anger. And so as I look at the church as a pastor, I am very concerned for the church, for families, for individuals, because I, my my desire is to see each one of these people, not just in my fellowship, not just in, not even just in, in my uh, group of people, and in this case the Anabaptists, but in all the world, the people who are struggling and hurting. And so as a pastor, I have a, and this is something that God has been working in me. Um, in 2009, I surrendered to ministry for pastoring. Before that, I absolutely would say to God, God, you can call me and I will travel all around the world. I'll be an evangelist. I'll do a missionary, whatever, but don't ever make me a pastor. And he was like, okay, well, here, I want you to be a pastor. And so at the time, I, was, I felt somewhat betrayed. But then God began working in me a pastor's heart, a shepherd's heart, someone who cared for the body of Christ. You see, there's a lot of people today who say, well, I like your Jesus, but I sure don't like his bride. And if you ever dare say that to me, that you want to spend time with me, but you don't want to spend time with this lovely bride, you'll probably get some non, uh, not non-resident some part or something. <clears throat> I might, you may, we may not have any fellowship together, and yet there's a lot of people who are saying, 
I want to have fellowship with God, but I really can't stand the bride of Christ. It's true. The bride of Christ right now is hurting and is in pain and is wounded and has a lot of problems, but I love the bride of Christ, and I am called to her as part of that body. So I'm a, I'm a husband, a father, a pastor. I'm also a filmmaker. This was, when I first surrendered to ministry, it was for actually going and preaching the word of God. The second time I surrendered to ministry, I was absolutely shocked. I was four years out of being Amish, and we watched a movie one night. We didn't watch very many movies, but we watched a movie called, uh, it's A Man Called Peter, about Peter Marshall. And after I watched the movie, I was outside in Texas looking up at the stars, and I just had this heavy burden rolling over me, similar to what Joe described. And I just felt very clear that God was calling me to make movies. I didn't even so much as know that people made movies. I mean, I knew they existed, but I knew nothing about the process. I hadn't, I hadn't met anybody who said they were a filmmaker. But I felt like God was calling me to make movies. And I was like, okay, Lord, well, if you, if you want me to. It was 11 years later before it actually came to fruition. And it was through my wife that God brought that together. And so I'm a filmmaker. As a filmmaker, my filmmaking is informed by me being a husband, a father, and a pastor. As a husband and a father, I want filmmaking to make money. Okay, I just want to get that out right in front. That when I do projects, I'm not just out here laboring and slaving for nothing. I actually am praying and saying, how can I do all of that God has called me to and provide for my family. So film is a good way of doing that because you end up with a good product that you sell and it provides for the bread and butter for me and my wife and our hungry children. And so we have, <clears throat> so I just want you to know as a filmmaker, I, I have that, but I'm also concerned because I look at an American media and I look at, and even in the church, we have awful media consumption habits. We're glutton for awful, awful stuff. And we, we, we'll, we'll talk on our way out of church, we'll say stuff like, oh, or you know, maybe we see a theater, a movie at a theater or something, we'll, and we'll complain and complain complain and complain, but we'll keep putting our dollar right back in there and keep consuming some really wicked stuff from the pit of hell. And we're in trouble that way. So one of the things I'm doing is I'm I'm using this powerful tool of media to share the gospel. But here comes the fun part. I also come from a family and I have a background and that makes a difference. And so um, I'll just give you a quick run through here so that Stacy can then share her part. Um, This is the Graber family in 1994. 1994, my father was an Amish minister. He had just been silenced. Why was he silenced? Because he wouldn't enforce church rules all the time, and he kept talking about love, mercy, and grace through Jesus Christ. And so it was just a real problem, and he wouldn't enforce the rules. And so all the men, the local men, would go and they would talk, they would call the bishop. We were out in Montana at the time. A bishop happened to be back here and in Indiana. We had two bishops that shared responsibility. And so they would call the bishop, and the bishop would say, well, you've got you to gotta go and talk to him. Well, my dad had experienced some freedom already. And so whenever the men of the church would go and try to talk to the leading minister, they, they'd get so frustrated. And one of them vented to another one and said, how can you go talk to someone who always just sits there and smiles at you? <laughs> Because God had done something in my dad's heart and had given him a salvation and a hope. I, the song we sang this morning, I Have Decided to Follow Jesus, that became his favorite song. And so here, this is a picture of my father actually in a in reenactment costume for the film. Um, and here is something. It wasn't just that we were Amish when I was a boy. Here is a picture from France. And this is right on the border between Switzerland, and it's the Jura Mountains there. And you see this house. And in the late um, 1600s, 
And in the 1700s, my family, the Graeber family, moved from Switzerland because of persecution. They stopped baptizing their infants, joined the Anabaptist church, and then eventually some of them moved to, to, to the Eura area and into the Alsace area and other places just to get away. Well, one of my ancestors, Peter Graeber, he built this house. Now, it used to be longer. There was another section that went on back. You can see where we're walking back there. There was another section there. So when I went to visit this house, I was able to get, this is a piece of the rock that was in the wall that my ancestor Peter Graeber used to build this house. I don't know if he touched this or not. I haven't had it scientifically examined. I just, for me, it represents that this was part of my heritage. This is, this is, so I have this piece that shows that not only did I have a 20-year heritage of a father who said, I have decided to follow Jesus, I'm going to follow the Lord, and as a result, I became a born-again Christian. Not only that, but I, I have history here. And it wasn't always the case that everybody along the hit in my line did the right thing. But in, we had the opportunity last year of going to Switzerland, and so my, I took my son, <clears throat> and so I have three generations of Grabers there. Here we are at the River Limot, at the place where Felix Mons was drowned at the beginning of the Anabaptist Reformation. And so we went back and we visited the Graber history, the Anabaptist and Amish history, and we were looking at this, and what we found was <clears throat> at the beginning, what was happening was people who, religious people, finally got the Bible in a language they understood. They began reading it, and they believed in Jesus Christ, and it changed their life. This particular Bible was owned by Peter Graber of the Rock and his sons, and he was a preacher in the early Anabaptist church over there in, in France. And so this was an example of, some, of, of the Word of God. It's still over there at the Graber house. All right, this picture, to you it might look like a poorly taken photograph by someone who doesn't know what they're doing, and it's true. It was 1994. We had just bought one of those little... <clears throat> dispensable, you know, dispensable point-and-shoot cameras, and we point and shot all over the place. We, we took more pictures in that first year. We were trying to make up for all those years of not having any cameras. <clears throat> but what this picture represents to me is something very special. Here is my dad. His grandfather was a bishop in the Amish church. His uncle, he had several uncles that were ministers and bishops. He was a minister in the Amish church. Throughout our history, there have been a lot of Grabers who were ministers, who were Amish men. Some of them read the Word of God and faith. Some were not. My dad... <clears throat> in 1990, he mail-ordered, and this goes back to what we were talking about. He, you know, we owned this Bible. We owned this little guy. We owned, you know, all of these books, the prayer books and all this stuff. We had them in our house. But he mail-ordered an English study Bible, and he began reading that. Why? Because he had a question that he had taken to his, when he was ordained as a young man, and uh, this is something we'll talk about in the film some, is he was ordained, he didn't understand why we're doing what we're doing. You see, as one of the men that we interviewed said, he said, when I was a young man, I didn't understand the rules. But I thought, well, when I become a member of the church, then I'll understand. So then he became baptized, and he still didn't understand. So he thought, well, when I get married, then I'll understand. Well, then he got married, and he still didn't understand. Well, so that's similar to what was happening with my dad, but then he got ordained right before I was born. He was ordained in the ministry. Now he has to stand up and explain the rules. And so if you don't understand them, you have to go somewhere else. Is that your son? <clears throat> okay. Okay, good. Because we're concerned the feeding schedule might interfere here. Um, my dad began asking questions, but he never got Bible answers. He never had anyone say, well, let's look at what the Scripture says, and let's talk about it from there. It was always just, well, in 1955, the ministers met, and they decided these and these things. Well, in 1920, there was a meeting of the ministers, and they decided this or that. And so it was never a, here's Scripture, and here's what it says. 
And so even though there is this common conception, we were old order Amish, even so they say they're people of the book, that they believe the word of God, yet their most important decisions for church rules are often not made with this in mind, they're made with tradition in mind. And so my dad was very hungry. He began reading the Word of God for about three years when we lived in this house. I slept in a little loft upstairs, and I would come down from the loft, and as I'm coming down the ladder in the morning, didn't matter how early it was, when I woke up, dad would be sitting down there reading the Word of God. He read the Word of God when he, before, for hours before he went to work in the morning. He'd come home from work, he'd do it, everything, and in the evening before he went to bed, he would be sitting there reading the Word of God when I went to bed. And that's what he did. He was reading the Word of God. I asked him one day, do you know when you got saved? He said, I don't really know, because I would be reading the Word of God, and I would find some scripture truth, and I believed it. And then I'd go a little farther down, and I'd read the next bit, and then I believed that too. All we knew as his children was that my father had gone from a proud Amish minister who was concerned about his reputation, and therefore was a harsh discipliner because we were part of ruining his reputation, possibly. And so he went from being harsh and angry to being a loving father. We saw the change. Something transformed. And I've already told you how there was joy in his life. And so finally they silenced him. And so, so it made full circle. This was part, this is what I, in, in the film, I will tell you, this is part of my heritage. Um, and there's a moment in the film that to me, I don't know what it will do for anybody else watching it, but for me it's just like the absolute, it's when I'm back at the church that we went to after we left the Amish. And there's a place in that church that's very sweet to me. It's the altar up front. And the reason it's sweet to me, there was a night when a bunch of uh, people came in, and they, it was a family, they came in, they sang, and then the father preached about forgiveness and family relief. And that night, after the meeting, for the very first time, my father came to me, he found me, he hugged me, and he told me that he loved me. I was so overcome with this, I'd already been walking around sensing God calling me, but I was so overcome with it, I came back up to the front, and I knelt down, and I said, Lord, you can do with me whatever, I'm yours. And that was the beginning of God calling me into ministry because my father loved me. And so, talking about the languages, I, this verse always amazes me because it says, and they, it's in Revelation 5, and they're talking about they had this book that no one could open, and then they find the lamb, he's worthy to open it. So they're talking about Jesus Christ. And in verse 9 it says, They sung a new song saying, Thou art worthy to take the book, to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. God knows the language of the world. Sometimes we get stuck thinking one language is better than another or one dialect, something is better. And this has happened for at least 2,000 years that Christianity gets stuck on some one version, one, um, one language. And, you know, first it was Latin with the Catholics, now it's German with the, with the Amish, and this just keeps happening. But these are people from every tongue, people, and they all, in order to be there, had to hear the word God in their language and respond to God. And now they're there singing praise, bringing praise to the Lamb of God. And that's what <clears throat> I believe part of our Anabaptist heritage is, is that we've been part of, doing, of bringing that to people. So I'm going to play this next bit of a video, and then, we're, um, then I'm going to ask you a why question, and then Stacy's going to introduce herself and how she met me and, and her perspective things. <clears throat> I'm Lester Graver, and I was born in an Amish community of northern Indiana. Growing up Amish, I loved being Amish. I just thought that was such a, an element of my life that I, I just didn't want to lose. I, I didn't want to leave the Amish. I loved the old-fashioned ways. I would have wanted to be more old-fashioned than most of the Amish were. Two or three years after we were married, I was ordained minister. And we decided that God called us, God chose us. We're going to be 
what it really means to be Amish. We wanted to obey the rules. As years go on, it leads to emptiness. You know, it gave you purpose when you were young, but it kind of leads to nowhere. Now, sometimes in our preaching, we would say things that we'd heard from others, and I was challenged on a point one day, and I really couldn't answer it. Lester started reading the Bible like he never had before, and this was a stir. This is not right. You can't be doing that. Leave that Bible alone and just preach the way you're supposed to preach. I mean, it came down to the wire. Following Jesus, leaving all that behind, being willing to leave it behind. Thank you for listening to this podcast series. Check out Mission to Amish People online at www.mapministry.org or keep up to date with us on Facebook and Google+. Thank you again and have a blessed day.